Thank you for listening to Christian Family Church Podcast. Here at CFC, our mission is to live and communicate the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the world around us. From wherever you're listening, we hope you'll be encouraged by this week's message. Thank you, Sam. I, I don't know about you, but... I feel like the spirit is moving already this morning. I've already probably shed a few tears. The worship was really going off and Sam just shared this message that just hit me right here because this morning I have a word that was given to me by God and that word is unity, which seems a little strange, doesn't it? You know, in this time where we're all separate, we're all in our own lounge rooms or wherever we are. And that doesn't feel very unified. But there's something in me this morning that feels like we really are. We're going to go through this together this morning. I'm going to start by asking a question. How did I get here? How did I get here? You're probably asking that question this week now that we're in another lockdown if you live in Victoria. How did I get here? I still remember this almost as if it was yesterday. I was lying in bed pretending to be asleep as my parents were getting ready for their work days. I'd begun to try and curb some of my behaviours so as, not to, so as to protect them from worrying. It was a new thing I was trying because, quite honestly, if I couldn't help myself, I could at least not encourage their suffering alongside mine. I heard them saying to each other, well, at least she's finally getting some sleep. This made me feel guilty because truth was I hadn't slept a wink all night and I still wasn't now. This had become my new normal and was to continue for a long time after this particular day. Finally, I heard them leave, doors were closing, cars backing out of the driveway. My eyes opened and I slowly crawled out of bed. I did this aimless walk around the house, almost as if I was just making sure that everyone had definitely gone. And then I returned to my bedroom. I found this tiny little nook between my bed and this little bookcase that I had. It was there that I curled up in a ball on the floor with not one single tear left to shed. They were gone. And this tiny 19-year-old little me asked myself, how did I get here? You see, on the way home from work the night before, I had yet another panic attack, or my brain was telling me it was another heart attack. I'd pulled over on the side of the road and shamefully I called my dad and once again he had to coach me into arriving home safe. I did, as I had every other time, but this time he was waiting for me and he took me straight to the doctor. I can still see her face, this gentle, kind older lady. And after all the routine checks and a a quick look at my history that involved multiple appointments with my own GP to test for every single illness known to humankind, she held both of my hands and she looked directly into my eyes and said, my darling, you have anxiety and depression. It's perfectly okay to feel this way, but I recommend a few weeks off of work and I'll prescribe you some medication to help you feel better. How did I get here? I am a sufferer of mental illness. From diagnosis at 19, I suffered the worst of my anxiety and depression for the greater part of 15 years. 
through relationship breakdowns, career changes, marriage and two children. This monster raged and every single day and night was a fight for my own survival. Now I grew up in a Christian home. I talked a bit about that in studio chat earlier. It was a Salvation Army family. My grandparents were officers and my parents were heavily involved in leadership. Church was a huge part of my life. If I wasn't at school, I was at church doing something. I was a strong believer from a very young age and as a confident extroverted child, I was strangely comfortable with the ways in which my Christian life set me apart in my social life. In my understanding, I was a pretty stand-up Christian. So how did I get here? It just didn't make sense. Looking back on my life, it's such a fun ex exercise to do that, right? When you look back on your life. You know when you start piecing all the bits together and you have that aha moment. Aha, that's why that happened. Now I get it. I remember being prayed over at church by a friend a long time ago now who uttered the sentence, may we even be thankful in the wilderness. For some reason it stuck with me, so much so that I wanted to know more about what she was talking about. What is this wilderness she's talking about? This sent me delving into the concept of wilderness. And when you look for wilderness in the Bible, it lights up like a Christmas tree. Wilderness encounters, descriptions of different types of wilderness, both the physical and the state of mind. It seems God wants us to know a little something about the wilderness. When we think in our English language of wilderness, we might think about beauty, a rich, untouched, thriving ecosystem with beautiful vegetation and somewhere we might want to visit. Let's go on a holiday. Wait, we can't. We're in lockdown. Do that later. But in the Hebrew language, wilderness mostly emphasises dryness, the absence of humans, a place that lacks company and water. Hebrew words for wilderness can include, I'm sorry if I say these wrong, midbar, which means a desert, dry and arid with scarce vegetation, arava, which again means dry land, a flat area, low-lying vegetation, and shmama, a wasteland. In the New Testament scriptures, wilderness is often referred to in the Greek word eremos, an isolated place. Well, doesn't that just sound like a holiday? Let's go there. There are many stories of wilderness in scripture, but most prominently, we read about the Israelites' experiences with wilderness. They experienced a whopping 40 years of wilderness. Between the deliverance from Egyptian bondage and the inheritance of the promised land stood the wilderness. We hear so much about the Exodus itself, the miracle of the separation of the sea. We hear about the commandments and about the arrival into the promised land. But the wilderness is key in all of this. It is the preparation, the training camp, if you wish, for what is to come. In Exodus 15, verses 22 to 24, it says, Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah, and the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Don't you love the human instinct to grumble? I put my hand up right here and say that sometimes I can grumble. I'm sorry, it's true. I don't like it when it's too cold. In fact, I don't like it when it's too hot. 
I'm a firm believer that rain should frequently fall between the hours of like 1am and 5am, so it doesn't bother me. And the temp should always stay between 20 and 27 all year round. I think I'd be happy then, right? Yeah. In my wilderness experience, just like the Israelites, I did a lot of grumbling to God. Why are you doing this to me? Why can't I just have one day, one day when I'm not afraid? What did I do so bad to deserve this? It hurts. I'm scared. I'm alone. Now, I don't know how you feel about this idea of grumbling to God, but I actually want to challenge you today that we need to be honest with God in every season. If you're celebrating positive life experience, then praise him. If you're desperately seeking answers, then ask him and then ask him again. If you're struggling and you feel like you're not coping, then tell him. If you're angry with God, and this is a fun one, let him have it. We can be angry with God. It's okay. Sure, God already knows what's happening in your heart and mind. He knows. He knows everything about us. But there's something powerful when we declare ourselves to God. It's like opening up your heart to him, scars and all, and saying, come on in. You see, when God takes you to the wilderness, he withholds that which you have come to depend on other than him. That could be your work. It could be your finances, your friends, your relationships, your strengths and giftings. For some reason, we fickle humans tend to leave God as the last resort before we share our feelings with him. We go into auto drive when something goes wrong. We try everything in our strength to fix it. And then, when all those avenues are exhausted, only then, we cry out to God, help me! Why can't we just be constantly open and honest with God right from the start? Why is it so hard to do that? The wilderness feels like a deprivation, like you're being tested. You know, you hear that sometimes, you know, God's testing me, I'm being tested. But what if you're actually in preparation mode? What if you're being prepared for something? For me, a great weakness was brought into my life so that I could come to the understanding that my strength is found in him. Instead of deprivation, preparation. When I look back now, it's easy to see that God had a greater plan for my life. There is absolutely no way that the younger me, got this all sorted out, I know what I'm doing, would choose the life I have now. No way. No way am I moving to a country town. No way am I selling my house that I paid so much money for and made beautiful just the way I like it. No way would I give all that up. That's crazy. Who would do that? Something drastic needed to happen for me to come to a greater, deeper, personal relationship with God. Now, please don't hear me wrong. I don't believe that God physically gave me mental illness so that I would become a minister. But I do believe that God allowed a wilderness experience so that I would come to know him on an intimate level and also to know myself. 
God was preparing me for my purpose. But I didn't go quietly. I didn't submit to God straight away and I spent a lot of time questioning him. I turned away from ministry, from friendships. I shied away from opportunities that I knew God was placing in my path. The reality is that God was always there sustaining me though. It was a bit of a struggle, some pushing and shoving back and forth. I was wrestling with God. But as the Israelites were reminded in Deuteronomy 8, 2 to 6, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep these commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and the hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey. Sounds amazing. A land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. That's no wilderness. Again, hindsight is a beautiful thing. When everything that comforts and pleases you is stripped away. When the centre of God's will is the wilderness, what is God's purpose? God brought the Israelites into the wilderness to bring them to himself. Part of the preparation for what God wants you to do will grow out of the revelation of himself that he gives you. For most of us, the only place we can be ready to receive that revelation is in some kind of wilderness, where God separates us from what we have learned to lean on in order that he can show us that we need to lean on him alone. Not only does God take us into the wilderness to show us himself, but he does so to show us ourselves too. He wants us to see the truth about who we are and how we trust God, and this can be revealed in the wilderness. There we potentially reveal the worst of ourselves, we reveal the extent of our sin, and we see who we are at the lowest of our own strengths. That can sometimes look like anger. That can sometimes look like failure and fear. God knows already. And then God reveals his response. In Nehemiah 9, 19 to 21, you in your great mercies did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud to lead them in the way did not depart from them by day, nor the pillar of fire by night to light for them the way by which they should go. You gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. So thinking about my wilderness, 
God's faithfulness is actually pretty clear. Not once did I carry more than I could handle, although sometimes it felt like it. Not once did he leave me or forsake me. It was actually never a heart attack. (laughs) It was never a tumour. It was never, I'm going to (laughs) die. I actually had everything I needed. I didn't have everything my earthly mind thought I needed, but I had everything I needed because I had God. So what did God want from me in the wilderness? I know you're dying to know. Fast forward from the 19-year-old to mother of two, some 12 plus years later. By now, I was the kind of woman who never did anything alone. My husband, Aaron, was had become my security blanket. And while I had begun to start taking on small roles again at church, majority of it was alongside Aaron. We never did anything separately. I was still protecting myself. We had stepped into youth ministry and I was asked to attend a youth camp, to which strangely I said yes. (laughs) It wasn't until the first night I laid my head on the pillow in the dorm that I realized what I had done (laughs) Aaron wasn't here, it was just me. How did I get here? My intention for this camp was to go along with whatever I had to do, be a responsible leader, fulfill my tasks and get my butt out of there. (laughs) Well, I was wrong. God was doing a work in me at that camp, even as the old bird who thought that she was way past camps. My purpose was bubbling under the surface, but I was still holding on to something. I was a wreck. Every song, every message, I was sobbing in the corner, ashamed that I couldn't keep it together, a grown woman and everything, thinking, I'm never going to be invited on a camp again. I am not cut out for this leadership gig, clearly. The state youth secretary is the Salvo camp, the one who invited me on this camp and was in charge of the whole thing, probably regretting her decision. She was a loud and energetic, passionate woman of God. She comes over to me as I'm huddled in the corner, ashamed of myself for the millionth time in two days. She kneels down and she says, all right, what on earth is going on with you? And in that moment, I just had nothing. I had nothing left. All I managed to say to her was, I'm just so, so tired. I can't keep fighting anymore. I just want everything to go away. I was done. You know what she said? She looked me in the eye and she said, Karen, just stop. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Just stop? Don't you think I've already thought of that? Wow, what a wise and compassionate mentor she was turning out to be. Fantastic. As if that wasn't enough, she held me up and moved me towards the front of the crowd who were worshipping and said, let's just forget about everything and worship. Just forget it. So with all this anger building up at me at this woman (laughs) who just treated it like it was nothing... And at God, because he's making me a complete wreck and embarrassing myself in front of all these kids who are probably questioning their lives too, and they're thinking, if that's adulthood, I'm not doing it. I did. I worshipped. And that night, I came to a full surrender. From my nothing that I had left, 
I gave God absolutely everything. I laid it all out, all the ugly stuff, and I left it there. I slept really well that night, probably the best I've ever slept. (laughs) And when I returned home to the family, I think they thought I was on something. I was bouncing off the walls, full of energy. Best camp ever, you guys missed out. Had a million ideas of new ministry opportunities. We should do this, we should do that. Actually, Aaron, come along, let's do this as well, because I reckon that's going to transform some lives. I was excited. A little too excited maybe, but I was excited. This was not who I was. I was normally in the corner crying or feeling sorry for myself or thinking if I go outside, if I go to the shops, I might faint or someone might think there's something wrong with me or I'm crazy. No, I was jumping. (laughs) I was like, let's do this. Guys, I was healed. It was not long after that where the challenge was thrown And we, together, Aaron and myself, he was doing the dishes at the time, and he said, maybe we should be Salvation Army officers after all. (laughs) And I was like, oh, this is real now. And so we did. We became Salvation Army officers. We were accepted, and about a year later, we packed up, sold our house and everything we owned, and we moved from Adelaide to Melbourne to commence our training. So, friends, I want to ask you today... Do you know the heaviness of wilderness? Are you hurting? Maybe you're fearful, feeling lost. I get it. Maybe you're feeling angry because you just can't catch a break. You might be watching others thriving, getting opportunities, while you're just being passed by. I get it. How did I get here? Well, I want to tell you, friend, that God is doing a work in you. God has you right in the centre of his plan and he's drawing you nearer to him. Just like training hard hurts for the greater good. Yeah, Luke, it hurts. So our wilderness experience, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. The breaking down comes before the building up. Do not be ashamed of your wilderness. It's taken me a long time to be open and honest about my life's experience with anxiety and depression. It's a taboo subject. We're not allowed to talk about it because it's embarrassing. The world tells me I should be embarrassed, that others may think less of me. She's unstable. But my goodness, if it wasn't for my wilderness, I wouldn't even know God. I wouldn't know me. So this morning, can I encourage you to be honest with God? Tell him how you feel. Open the conversation. Doesn't have to be in perfect wording. Man, I've been known to be in the shower or sitting on the toilet, driving in the car, and I'm saying, God, what was that? Don't do that again. I didn't like it. Sometimes I laugh with God. You've got to be kidding me. I saw what you did there. Good one. Sometimes I can literally yell at God, where are you? That's okay. Open your hearts to God. Let him search you. Willingly step into the wilderness where God calls you. Seek your purpose 
and praise him for choosing you for greater things. Let him strip away your comforts. It's scary, I know, but you don't need him. You don't. And when the wilderness is over, God will draw you out and you too will experience a new energy at the knowledge of who you are in God. You will be energised in the knowledge that God lives in you. The spirit is alive and I can feel it this morning. The spirit is alive and in his strength you are made whole. But you'll never forget the wilderness. The wilderness remains in you. It reminds you sometimes. It will come close by. You might even dip a toe back in. But it will strengthen your life and purpose because the wilderness changes you. I feel like I've harped on about my life story in many different audiences over my journey and I feel like, why, God, do you want me to share it again? (laughs) But the wilderness changes you. It changes you and it gives you a story because you're not that old person again. You're the person that God wants you to be. And actually, you want to scream from the mountaintops every day about that story. (laughs) I have a verse permanently on my left wrist now, up here, probably can't see it. And that's 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to 10. And it says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, with insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I am reminded to never return to that self-sufficient life I was creating for myself, that one where I thought I had it all sorted out. Walking the walk of church life is important. It's important to be with our fellow believers. But the personal relationship with God, that's where it's at. No matter how hard the wilderness life was, I thank God that he showed me my weaknesses. The grace and power of God realised in my darkest hour is the most precious gift. I want to ask you that if you are questioning the wilderness, even in your lounge room right now, I want to encourage you, surrender. Lay it all down. Sit, kneel, stand up. Lay prostrate face first on the ground. No one's watching. You're in your lounge room. It's actually the perfect time to do it. You're not in the church building where you think, what are people going to think? But God sees you. And God knows there's a stirring in here. Lay it all down. If you feel God prompting you to do this today, then I invite you to do so. Don't leave it another day. Don't suffer alone. God knows. Surrender your heart to God. Let him see it all. Let him hear it all. And let your wilderness story become your purpose journey. I'm going to pray. Lord, I thank you for your presence this morning. You are here 
with us in all of our spaces, our lounge rooms, our bedrooms, wherever we are, you are here. Your spirit is moving. And Lord, I know there's hurt and there's pain and there's fear. But that's not your language, is it, God? You don't speak that way. You speak in love and grace. And love and grace stamps out all the rest of it, doesn't it? So, Lord, come into our hearts this morning. Hear our pain and our fear and just cover us in grace and love. It hurts. I feel alone. I've got nothing left. Lord, I surrender. I give it all to you. Thank you for your presence, God. Thank you that you are always with us. We invite again that spirit to move within us as we go through this week and it feels different. If you're in Victoria, it feels lonely. God, you know. Work within us, Lord. We surrender. Amen.